More and more often, we hear about or read about people claiming the Bible is hate speech. People take exception with certain passages in the Bible, which they claim threaten or even commit violence against people in certain protected classes, especially those in the LGBTQ community. Nations have passed laws criminalizing saying anything negative, not about people, but about behaviors. Well, is the Bible hate speech? Here's the short answer. No, it's not. The Bible is a book about God's love for his creation, and all people are his creation. The Bible claims to be the inspired word of God, and in it, God does tell us how to live and how not to live so that we can have the best life possible in the present and also fulfill our amazing destiny in the future. That's our subject today. If you give me a few minutes, I'll show you how we can know for certain that the Bible is not hate speech. In fact, it's a book about the greatest love of all time. In April of 2021, the Prosecutor General of Finland and Northern Europe announced criminal charges against a Christian member of parliament, a medical doctor named Paivi Rasinen. She had written, 17 years earlier, a theological pamphlet about sexual matters from the point of view of the Bible. She'd engaged in public discussions representing the Bible's teachings on these topics, which included the fact that the Bible approves only heterosexual marriages. The prosecutor charged her and the publisher of the pamphlet with hate speech incitement against a minority group. Their trial was held in January and February of 2022, attracting attention around the world. They were ultimately found not guilty of all charges, but the prosecutor general is in the process of appealing that verdict, trying to convict Dr. Asinen of hate speech for quoting the Bible. She's probably facing years more of litigation. In December of 2021, the Canadian Parliament fast-tracked a blanket ban on conversion therapy, which is voluntary therapy, voluntary, to help homosexuals or gender-confused people live in conformity with biblical teachings about sexuality. It is now illegal to counsel those who request such counseling on pain of prison terms of up to five years. This could include pastors and even parents. The law states that believing that heterosexuality is preferable to homosexuality is based on, quote, myths and stereotypes, an obvious slam against the Bible. And recently, YouTube has begun taking down sermons in which the speakers have used Bible passages that people have complained are hate speech. YouTube agreed and removed the sermons. It seems anyone can complain and raise red flags, and big tech will often comply, in part because many of their executives lean in particular ideological directions. Well, if governments and big tech are labeling parts of the Bible hate speech, and even threatening prison time for those who quote it, could there be truth to the accusations? Let's break this question into three parts. What exactly is hate speech? Why do some people claim the Bible is hate speech? And if the Bible is not hate speech, how should we understand its teachings that so bother some people? 
According to the United Nations website, UN.org, hate speech is any kind of communication in speech, writing, or behavior that attacks or uses pejorative or discriminatory language with reference to a person or a group on the basis of who they are. In other words, based on their religion, ethnicity, nationality, race, color, descent, gender, or other identity factor. But the United Nations goes on to say, however, to date, there is no universal definition of hate speech under international human rights law. So hate speech is attacking or discriminating against people because of who they are innately. But there is no universally accepted definition. And the UN site goes on to clarify, and this is key, it's important to note that hate speech can only be directed at individuals or groups of individuals. It does not include communication about states and their offices, symbols or public officials, nor about religious leaders or tenets of faith. So the United Nations states that the Bible is not hate speech because it contains the tenets of the faith of Christianity. Discussing what the Bible says about marriage or sexuality or any other aspect of morality is not attacking any individual or groups of individuals. Why then do some people claim the Bible is hate speech? I'll be the first to admit that some professing Christians give the Bible a bad name by their blatant misunderstanding of the book they claim to represent and by their odious behavior. But this is their fault. It's not the fault of the Bible. If I were to take a passage of Lord of the Rings out of context and twist its meaning to claim Tolkien is saying we should treat some people like orcs, that would be my fault, my flawed interpretation, not Tolkien's. A part of the problem in this issue is that the definition of hate speech, at least in the minds of some people, is expanding. It used to identify speech that clearly expressed hatred towards someone. Then it grew to encompass speech that offended people. Now, many people claim that simply disagreeing with a person over something they do is hate speech. And some go so far as to claim that disagreeing with what someone does is violence, that mere words are violence. Now, of course, words can be used to incite violence, to encourage people to commit violence. That, of course, is wrong. But the words themselves are not violence. We increasingly see strange situations where extremist groups like Antifa claim the right to resort to actual violence, wounding or even killing people, to supposedly protect themselves or others from words that only hurt their feelings. Simple words are supposedly violence, while actual violence somehow is not. To disagree with someone about what they choose to do does not equate to hatred. We all disagree with some things other people do. You do that. I do that. Does that implicitly mean we hate those people? If you disagree with me, do you automatically hate me? Of course not. That's really just a straw man argument to get people who disagree about something to be afraid and be quiet. No one wants to be called a hater, right? And sadly, the straw man seems to be working in many parts of society today. People feel forced to self-censor, to hide what they really think. This goes along with naming a disagreement over a behavior as a phobia. A phobia means an excessive, irrational fear of something. Calling people xenophobe, transphobe, homophobe actually means they have an emotional disorder. They're not entirely sound of mind. 
To us, that labeling is to judge in advance. I'm right, you're wrong, you're not even all right in the head. Again, it means be afraid and be quiet. That's just not fair. It's not right, it's not just. So, no, no part of the Bible is hate speech. Well then, what is the Bible? And how should we understand the teachings of the Bible? The Holy Bible claims to be the inspired Word of God. As the Apostle Paul said it, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. If you haven't yet proven to your own satisfaction that the Bible is true, you need to do that. Don't take my word for it. At Life, Hope, and Truth, we publish materials we believe can help you prove this truth to yourself. That is one of the most fundamental questions we all need to answer. The Bible is like an owner's manual for our lives. It tells us why God made human beings, why we exist, and it explains God's plan for us now and in the future. Since he made us, he knows what's best for us, how we'll be the most happy and fulfilled in life. So he gives instructions for our good. The designer can instruct the designed, us, on how we function best. Most people agree with many of God's laws. We don't want to have our property stolen. We don't want to be murdered. So almost everyone agrees with those commandments. But when we consider God's rules about sexuality, many people disagree with God. As human beings, we generally don't like to be told what to do in any event. We especially don't like to be told how to act sexually. And God does tell us how to use our sexuality. A sexual relationship can be a great blessing or it could be an excruciating curse. God created sex to be wonderful, but only within a very specific set of conditions. Outside of those conditions, the end result of sex is negative, often devastating. How many songs have you heard about how painful failed relationships are? How many stories have you heard about people who used to be in love who killed their partner or themselves in desperation because while they thought they were doing things right, it felt so good, but they got love disastrously wrong? Many people today don't want to hear God's instructions. They've been told a lie that we really know what's best for ourselves. Who says we know best for ourselves? On what authority? Who was the first one who told people, you should reject what God says, think for yourself and decide what's best for you? You're the authority on you, right? You know what's best. Well, the one who said that first was Satan. He told Eve, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, that is the forbidden fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God lied to you. There won't be any negative consequences for disobedience. You won't die. In fact, God is preventing you from having what's best in life. Decide for yourself. You know best, empower yourself. Too many people today still believe that great lie. Think about it. Parents make rules for their children out of love. Loving parents don't say, well, the baby knows what's best for himself or herself, so if he wants to put his hand on the hot stove, who am I to judge him? 
Friends of our family have told me a story about my own childhood when I was three or four. My parents had left me with some friends while they attended an event. and I was playing in the front yard with another young boy. For some reason, we got it in our heads to run toward the street. So off we went. The lady watching us shouted to us to stop. There was traffic. She shouted, Johnny, stop. And the other boy kept running. She shouted, Joel, stop. And I stopped immediately because my parents had taught me to obey adults for my own good. The babysitter managed to reach the other boy just in time, but it was a close call. Now, at the time, I didn't know exactly why I wasn't allowed to play in the street. I didn't know why I was being instructed to stop. I just knew I needed to listen to the words the lady was shouting at me. Having learned to trust adults without understanding everything involved possibly saved my life that day. God's rules are like that for us. Therefore, our good, even when we don't yet understand why or how. See, God created us for a particular reason. We have the amazing potential to be part of a family he is creating. The Bible shows how we can fulfill that potential. The path to doing so requires that we abide by God's instructions, which also guarantee us the happiest, most fulfilling lives we can have now. A problem is that God's way of life is not always intuitive. Some of God's laws are intuitive, but some are not. God knows the reasons behind some of his laws, and they're not obvious to us. So he reveals them to us in the Bible. The Bible says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Some things seem right and good, but they bring bad or even catastrophic consequences later on. Have you ever had to admit to someone after a stupid mistake, it seemed like a good idea at the time? The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He sees far beyond what we can see. He sees the final outcomes of our actions and our potential actions. If we ignore God's revelation, we'll make decisions that seem right to us, and the results might seem just fine for a while, just like the old joke about a man who, though warned not to, jumped off a skyscraper. And on his way down, somewhere around the 10th floor, someone heard him say, so far, so good. Ignoring God's laws won't give happy results in the end. And if we ignore them, we won't be able to receive all that God wants to give us, which includes eternal life. God's instructions, his laws, include principles that are unpopular today. They're unpopular because some people don't want God the Creator, to tell them how to live. The Bible says God made us male and female only. Biology is biology. Some people don't like that. They want reality to be different, but it isn't. The Bible says marriage is to be only between a man and a woman. Some people don't like that. They want it to be different. But according to God, marriage is to be only between a husband and a wife. Sexual relations should only be between a husband and a wife, so that means only within marriage. Some people don't like that. They want sex to be whenever, wherever, with whomever, but that is not what God intends or allows. God doesn't want to keep anything good from us. 
He only wants to keep us from harm. He doesn't want to condemn us. He wants us to change. He says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is only one God and one path to eternal life. According to the Bible, all religions are not equally good, and most are actually false. The Bible says we can only receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Some people don't like that. It bothers them. But like it or not, it is the truth. Because people want to choose for themselves, but they don't understand the end results of their choices, we see chaos in the world, conflicting and competing visions of how to live. And we see a great deal of tragedy all around us as a result of those ill-guided choices. That's our fault, not the fault of the Bible or of God. Some people want to break God's rules, and they don't want anyone to disagree, so they pretend that to disagree with someone means that you hate them. But they only apply that rule when it suits them, and not when it applies to them. If they disagree with me, they'll not admit to hating me, but if I disagree with what they think or do, they'll tell me I'm a hater. That's the false constraint some want to impose on those who won't go along with them. Agree with everything I do, they insist, or at least be quiet. It's foolish to try to change the Bible, the inspired word of our Creator. It is His intention that the Bible change us for the better, in accordance with His way of life, the way of good and not evil, the way of love and not hatred. The simple truth is that God does disagree with many of the lifestyle decisions of today. And as Creator of the world, he commands us in his infinite wisdom and love to bring our ways into alignment with his own. When God tells us how to live, what to do and what not to do, it's not out of hatred. It's out of a greater love than we can comprehend. The Bible is not hate speech. It is God's love letter to you, to all humankind. Please don't neglect to read it. To learn more about God's love for humanity, read our article, Love of God. It is very, very encouraging. For Life, Hope, and Truth, I'm Joel Meeker reminding you there's a better world ahead.